the finale last night. And just what, tell me, you know, you may or may not have posted something on uh, social media specializing their stomach thinking of others, but butterflies are small. You give me eagles. And that what? And that kind of what? Like, are you, are you kidding me? And, and that was the winner. I, I couldn't believe it. At the end, I'm like, as soon as he said, I'm like, no chance this guy wins. Like, it was the Wait. Oh. I, I give us, give us your, give us your. Give us your one-liner that's better than that. I'm kidding. I mean, <laughs> the fact that you can play that off and it works and somehow uh, one out of, like, 30-whatever guys, unbelievable. It's absolutely over the top. No, it was – we were watching it. I was watching it with my host family here, and uh, they were kind of talking, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back this up. Like, yeah, I think you guys missed just, like, the greatest line of all time. Like, what are you Did talking that about? Just happen? Backed it up, Did that just... backed it up, and we were And tied. then he won. And then he won. I was, like, I was I was so mad at uh, Becca. Furious. And I, oh. I watched, I, that was the one episode of the season I watched, and they're, like, on the finale tonight, because there's they two, two daughters that are 18 and 16, and they're, like, all about it. And uh, we were sitting there watching, like, yeah, what's the finale? Like, might as well watch it. Like, sure. And uh, it definitely lived up, lived up to my expectations for sure. It puts me so much trouble, it's not my fault, all this. I also lose my friends, I lost my baby, that was looking crack, only to take one to change. He wanted it, so the cookie would try, well, I do feel. No, on that note, welcome to the Cracked Interviews <laughs> podcast. We're definitely just going to stick to the Bachelor Rod and maybe some Bachelor oh. spinoff storylines yeah. for next season. I mean, no, that's have. the first episode I've ever watched of The Bachelorette. I usually, I'm all over The Bachelor. Like my last, uh, my last year at UNC, we, uh, me and four or five of my good buddies every Monday, we would... Uh, so Monday nights are bachelor night, and we would, uh, when we get done with our work and everything, it was like two hours, I don't know, seven to nine or something like that, and we all go to the gas station down the street, you know, pick up like two or three really cheap bottles of wine, and we'd sit there and <laughs> down them while we were all watching The Bachelor. Well, tell me, what the, dress, tell me what the dress code was like, because obviously you had the adult beverage of choice. What was the dress oh, code? unreal. It's a great question, actually, because uh, there's actually a picture of me. Will Blumberg had a, a picture of me up for a while. <laughs> that was me uh, in, like, a robe with, uh, with, with my glass of wine watching The Bachelor. He's like, this guy is – and I think the caption's like, this guy's unreal. And so, yeah, that was – it was a pretty casual choice attire. There's, like, a robe. Uh, just, just chilling out. For all, the, for all the junior listeners out there, if you want to be a Tar Heel, this is what it's like on a daily, uh, <laughs> daily basis. <laughs> exactly. There you go. I love it. I love we it. We have a great time. Yeah, <laughs> no, so just okay. I mean, that was a hot intro. I, I don't even know where to begin off of that. You threw me off my we, game, we which is. We've completely. Wait, we can go. 
a lot of different places from here. No, this is perfect. So then just a couple of quick things. The possibilities uh, are endless. Yeah, just a couple of quick things for you to know. If at any point you find yourself pausing or you want to just restate what you're saying, just take a three-second pause, then restart the sentence, and we can edit out the previous thing just so you know in case, you know, you want to do anything differently. Okay. And then the other thing. Yeah. yeah. I've never misspoken in my life, so... I, yeah, I mean, look, Dalton's also from Indiana. You guys are prone to brain farts, so uh, I just, I'm going to, you know, generalize. So. Yeah, and then the other thing is, a good F-bomb never killed anyone, so, you know, whatever you got to do, we'll quack it out. So, you know, speak freely. Okay, sounds good. I, I can roll with that. When, That's right up I'm sure the host family would really love that. They're probably eating dinner, sitting down to a nice oh, meal yeah. right now. We're about to sit down for dinner. I, I, I like lock myself in the uh, the the, the, uh, the dad's office. Yeah. <laughs> can we can we can we get a Twitter to like post on social media? You're like in a closet somewhere in your host family. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, of course. Oh, ex- exactly. Oh, that was that was a swing and a miss right there. I'll I'll try harder next time. <laughs> Well, on that note, again, welcome to the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Joining us today is my co-host, and he has been booted down to the number two chair after what was just truly a terrible opening joke, but it is Cracked Rackets founder and our very own Dalton Thieneman. Dalton, Dalton, welcome back to the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I, uh, well, thanks, first and foremost, thank you very much, um, and I know I've been on a quick hiatus this summer. Uh, with the bar exam, and I won't bore you with all the law school legal jargon and all the details that come with it there, but I do want to, before we get into the questions and you give a very prominent introduction uh, and a very well-deserved introduction for Ronnie, uh, Ronnie, uh, can't say enough uh, how much you mean not only to the sport of tennis and, you know, to collegiate tennis, but also to the tennis community in Indiana. Uh, so truly an honor to have you on and excited to uh where this conversation goes from here. Whew. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm proud to, proud to be a Hoosier, uh, born and raised, and uh, yeah, really happy. I love I love all the stuff that Crack Records is doing, and uh, I feel like this is a long time coming, so I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> all right. Well, the buttering up has to stop here because that was ridiculous. Do I need to leave? Are you too good? Like it sounds like. Knock me down a few pegs. <laughs> yeah, I can. I'll sit this one out. But obviously, the voice you hear is again, you know, UNC Tar Heel, All American, you know, national indoors MVP. Uh, Kalamazoo 16th champion. The accolades can go on and on, uh, but it is self-proclaimed Hoosier and also Tar Heel Ronnie Schneider. Ronnie, thank you for taking the time to do this. Yes, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. And so I guess let's start out with the beginning. So, you know, tennis uh, in Indiana, I I guess now recently you could say there's a history of great tennis players coming through that area, but you don't really think of tennis in Indiana associating with one another. Uh, How did you get your start in the game and what drew you to the game of tennis? Yeah, you know, definitely Indiana, I think up until, you know, last five, seven years, so definitely wasn't seen as like a hotbed for tennis. Uh, But now, uh, it's definitely more and more. Uh, and first of all, that's full credit to uh, the, I think the main coach in Indiana, Brian Smith, who's been my coach since I was like nine years old. Uh, he's done an unbelievable job of bringing kids up and through and putting them in great universities and starting uh, all the way back with when he was coaching Rajiv Ram, who obviously is uh, an amazing player, <clears throat> uh, still out there, you know, playing at a very high level, top 20, top 30 in the world in doubles. Um, 
but you know, I I got started. It was made, I would say my dad got me started. He uh, he played in college at the University of Evansville, uh, but he didn't start playing until about I, I, from what I, from what I understand, like pretty much high school. And so he started pretty late. But for how late he started, he had uh, he did a good job. And uh, his biggest thing with me was he you know he didn't push me towards tennis. Um, you know, I played a whole bunch of different sports growing up. Uh, I played you know I was big into baseball and basketball. Uh, baseball ended up, I was just so bored by the end. And I'm a five foot eight, five foot nine on a good day, uh, white guy. That's not gonna, that's not gonna really cut it. Uh, <laughs> I realized that when I got to high school. Um, so, but my dad started me with tennis pretty young, probably like age like you know five or so, just like messing around and whatnot. But he wanted me to start just to have the option. Um, I think he wishes he could have uh, started earlier. He would have had a better chance at you know more success. And uh, wanted to give me all the options uh, that I could, and I kind of picked it up from there. Um, went there, and then um, met Brian uh, when I was like, you know, nine. I think my first lesson with him was I was like nine or ten, and then things kind of just took off from there. Uh, and yeah, basically the two people that raised me on the tennis court were uh, my dad and Brian Smith for sure. Oh, and your dad, uh, you come from a tennis bloodline as well, because your dad played at Evansville. My memory yeah. serves me correctly. Okay. Yes, he did. So, yeah, um, my uncle on my dad's side, or my, his brother, played at uh, Illinois State, and my aunt, his sister, played at Harvard. And then I have my uh, the aunt on my mom's side. Uh, she is one of, been a teaching pro up in Indy for a long, long time. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely surrounded uh, by tennis. But I think I was, I'm the only cousin that really pursued it at all, um, out, of, out of all of us, um, on my dad's side especially. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, you know, never any pressure to play growing up from, from my dad, but kind of naturally flowed in that direction once I started getting uh, better in tennis and started, I guess, falling back just like naturally a little bit more sports when I was spreading my time so thin. Uh, so yeah. Well, I mean, even beyond that, though, you talk about you know playing a lot of tennis in Indiana. I know you played high school tennis at least as was it a freshman? Because I've seen the YouTube video; it's impressive. Oh yeah! Oh, it, it, that, oh God! You, nobody, please look up a YouTube video of me. IHSAA. I'm, I'm watching it right now. Nobody, please do that. I think that you were taller it, then. If. Whoever finds that, I, I probably get sent that on average like once every like six months randomly. <laughs> like, oh my god, look what I found, and I'm just like each and every time I'm like, please don't. <laughs> and so please, nobody listening to this, look up Ronnie Schneider High School 2009 interview. <laughs> You're just teeing uh, it up for him at this point. I well, it's 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 hilarious, but uh, yeah, I mean, I played actually I played all four years, uh, which I think for somebody that was. Uh, had, I guess, my success in the juniors, especially as I went through high school. Um, pretty unprecedented that I, I would do that, but I, mean, I had a great situation at Bloomington South. Uh, my coach was the assistant principal, and then the head principal was a, uh, one of his sons was my teammate and good friend um, my freshman year. So they were big in the athletics and stuff, so they were super helpful with me traveling to tournaments. And, you know, the Bloomington community was so great. They really rallied behind me and everything that I, that I did. And uh, so I think there was that was you know a great way to repay them for all they had done for me 
uh, as well as it was, I know also for me, I really enjoyed you know every fall during high school uh, playing the season and then especially the state tournament. Uh, we even had great success as a, as a team. We got runner up my freshman year, which had never been done before, I think. And uh, yeah, so it's a team coming from you know Southern Indiana. Usually, once you get past south of Center Grove, typically uh, <laughs> on a team high school success. Um, but that was that was really fun for that, just as much as my individual stuff. Well, shout out to uh, Bloomington uh, South for sure. Yeah, on uh, <laughs> a great school. Uh, <laughs> you're big into sports and stuff. They will uh, they will help you a lot. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, I also want to give. I know you alluded to it earlier, but want to give a shout out to Jeff and Brian Smith, uh, Smith Tennis in Indianapolis. I know you said. Uh, you know, Rajiv and, and you and Brooke, and they're really being recognized at the national level now, which is, uh, you know, long overdue for sure. I think they even won uh, the de- developmental program of the year uh, from the US, USTA last year, which was uh, well-deserved. But what um, what are some of the um, characteristics that um, stood out and are still with you today on tour uh, that Jeff really instilled in you? Yeah, so, um, you, first of all... And by Jeff, I mean Brian, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> shoot, Jeff gave it to Brian, and Brian gave it to me. Uh, <laughs> Jeff was always there for his uh, wise words of wisdom. Uh, he's, he's good for a few jokes every time I'm up there. Uh, but I, I think just competing every day, uh, they were, everything we did was competing, um, but we had fun doing it. Uh, like We've always played, like, different games and stuff, all different places I've been, you know, since I travel a lot now, been to a lot of different, you know, places that people train, and, you know, it's pretty, you know, I would say pretty concrete how things are done, more or less, like pretty, mon- I would say a lot of it's mundane, um, but no day up with Brian and Jeff was, was boring or mundane or just, you know, cross courts and, you know, stuff like that. Um, they always made it fun, a lot of games, a lot of different games, you know, stuff that you see when you're, you, you know, you, there are college coaches coming in watching and being like, man, I haven't seen anything like this before. And people come in like, oh, how are you getting, like, better, like, stroke-wise? It's because you just play games the entire time. So it was more about just, like, the learning how to compete and learning how to figure things out on the court. Um, and I'd say that was once, once you, they got you the stroke technique, how they kind of wanted, they just want you to, to play. Um, and it wasn't just playing like sets and stuff. It was, you know, doing just two up to back, like crazy feet drills, like games where you literally are trying to peg somebody as hard as you possibly can from like 10, 15 feet away. Uh, different stuff like that made it fun. And uh, that's what I think kept my interest in tennis so great. You know, I mean, I had to drive, most time I had to drive probably like an hour up there when I would go up there. I probably went up there, you know, four times a week, three, four times a week. Um, and it was, and I, each time I looked forward to it. I can't remember one time, like going up in all those years that I wasn't excited to go uh, be with Brian and Jeff and all the guys that guys and girls that were there. Um, it's such a fun environment. Uh, so yeah, it really kept my. I never got any sense of burnout. I think you know once you reach a lot of people reach the age of like, I don't know, like four, fifteen, sixteen. Like you see a lot of kids like start to go away because they're like burnt out of it. I never thought that at all. I felt like. The, you know, my enjoyment kept growing and growing as I kept going. Uh, and I think that's <clears throat> a testament to them, and it's also kept me, uh, my desire really.
it's it's pretty great. It's a special environment for sure. It's unique. That's that's a great show. It's unique, and uh, they they really get the job done. though, that's for sure. Well, I think your junior success is a testament to the job they've done. Again, you look at some of the things you did in the juniors. Uh, you win Kalamazoo 16s and singles, and then you team up with Paul Oosterbahn to win the boys' 18s doubles. Uh, I guess two questions off of that. One, you know, which experience, looking back, is the more enjoyable? And then two, you know, when you have that type of success, uh, how does that weigh in on your college decision and, you know, weighing which schools to go to and also weighing am I turning pro versus going to college? Right. I think I'll, I'll start, first of all, with when we said the pro thing. I, I would never, ever, ever, ever consider uh, going pro before college. And I'd never even consider playing pro until, I mean, after almost the end of my junior year when the coaches were like, well, you could do this. Like, you, you should really do this. Like, Ronnie, you're having a great year. Like, um, all that. Like, you're a thing. Then, you know, doing pro, I'm like, you know, I really haven't uh, too much. And they're like, well, shoot, like, why not? There's all these people, like, look at, you know, so I can't get exactly. Like, look at, you should look at all these people that are doing this. And, like, we think, like, you, you, you know, like, you're just as good or better than them, like, really think you have a chance. And they, they really made me believe it. Um, you know, Sam Paul and Trip Phillips, the two coaches at UNC, really made me believe that uh, I could go out there and play after and, and compete. Uh, so full credit to them on that. But so, yeah, I never considered going pro before college. Um, as far as more enjoyable experience, I mean, man, you're comparing two – Unbelievable tennis experience. <laughs> you know, obviously, 16th Kalamazoo, like that opened a ton of doors for me. Um, you know, I got to play with the Junior, but not just that. Like, I literally, like, that happened in August, and I was able to parlay that very nicely into uh, uh, talking with college coaches. I think that was August and September 1st of my junior years when they're allowed to, like, email and stuff like that. I'm not sure of the exact rules, but, you know, you win that, and, like, two weeks later, like, all these coaches can't potentially like start contacting you and so like that September 1st day was wild uh, <laughs> and it was I don't think it'd be the same if had I not won Kalamazoo um, but it really gives you a lot of it really gave me a lot of options and I used that um, for sure I think I used it smartly to try it for like leverage and stuff as far as uh, colleges and whatnot and uh, you know I committed like late January of my junior year so like four or five months after that. So that was, I think I was the first or second person maybe in my class to commit. Uh, so I knew really early where I was going. Um, but then, you know, as far as doubles playing with Paul, that was, you know, I, first of all, I won 16 doubles with uh, Yale Goldberg. <laughs> I apologize that I should have known. No, you're good. No, I mean, that also incredible experience. And then obviously 18 doubles with Paul. Like, you know, he's one of my great, great friends. And actually, ironically, as I'm, Speaking, we live, we ju- we played together for the, so we won Kalamazoo 18, now to get a wild card to the U.S. Open, and we played that and lost, and so the last time we played was at the U.S. Open, and we literally, about an hour ago, just got off the court, and we lost, so we lost 11-9 in the third set breaker uh, in our first round here at the Edwards Hill Future, and that was the first time we had been on the court together since, uh, since the U.S. Open <laughs> four or five years ago. So pretty unbelievable. Uh, Paul, I was like, hey, Paul, you want like, hey, you want to play doubles in Edwardsville like in a couple weeks? He's like, yeah. Uh, he's like, yeah, let's do it. And his next text was, uh, so yeah, last minute, last, you know, we're going U.S. Open to Edwardsville future. Uh, <laughs> either we suck or tennis is really hard. I was like, I think it's really fortunate that uh, the U.S. is a grand. 
I would, I always lean towards, like, I always enjoy, like, the Devils experience probably more, because I think it's it's really fun being able to experience it with somebody else. Uh, I've always been about that, like, the team, being able to want, like, a two-person team. Uh, I've always enjoyed team success way more than I have individual, whether that was in high school and then at college in North Carolina, all the success we had. I think it's much more fulfilling um, than anything, you know, I could ever do. Well, I, I hate I hate to rain on your parade, but you know it had to come eventually. I buttered you up enough for Grusman's uh-huh. comment earlier, but <laughs> uh, I know I know you and Blumberg uh, have a little back and forth about your double success on tour. Did you play oh, three yeah. at UNC? At UNC? Yeah, oh, I went three all, yeah. all four years. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Fun fact. Fun fact. No, I mean every time I win, I uh, well the first few times at least I I would win and. Uh, we all joke about, yeah, me playing, oh, I, I, yeah, I was a pretty good, I mean, I wasn't a lockdown three doubles player by any stretch either. Like, I was, I was a pretty good three doubles player. And that's, and then now that I've, you know, left college, I got to, like, right around 300 in doubles within a year, and that's honestly not having played all the time. Because for me, I don't, I probably won't stay out, I, 90% will not stay out here if, you know, my singles isn't going great, but my doubles is. Uh, I just don't really have the interest in, in doing that. So I really only play when I have a partner that I really enjoy being with. And it's more, I honestly way more do it for, like, the fun, uh, the doubles. And uh, it's amazing, unbelievable how much my doubles have improved in the last in the last year. I, I had Trip Phillips as our assistant, who was top 20, 25 in the world, like U.S. Open semifinalist unbelievable, unbelievable doubles player. And he gave me all the advice in the world, and I just couldn't do it <laughs> in college. Like, really, like, really wasn't that great. I couldn't do it. I was, maybe I was too nervous, too tight, like, all that team, like, all that stuff. Um, but I, all that stuff that he said and that I didn't do in college, I'm doing it now. And it's just, like, unbelievable. Like, where was this level in college? Like, <laughs> but it's just one of those crazy things. And uh, I'm really enjoying doubles out here. Not today, when we were eleven <laughs> nine. That that still sucks. Losing still losing like that still sucks. I mean, we were up nine seven, and uh, breaker, which makes it even even more tough. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know, sorry, my house again was just yelling. Oh, <laughs> I didn't lock myself in well enough. Uh, <laughs> Life on tour, folks. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's each they, have, they have three kids, and they're, they're each, like, high school age, and so they're each, like, kind of doing their own thing, and so they have to, you know, scream down for dinner or something like that, and uh, they just scream to go get them. They, make, they, they don't even know if they're in the house, I think, half the time. Uh, but, but, yeah, no, anyway, doubles is awesome, and I'm, I really do enjoy it. It's, it is pretty funny that coming from three doubles and, you know, rising this quickly in the doubles ranking uh, and to, you know, Basically, play how I have been playing is definitely not typical of, I guess, your three doubles, like stereotypical three doubles playing in college. No, I mean, talking about your college career, I think that's a perfect transition because you mentioned your, you know, you had that success at Kalamazoo and then all these doors open up for you. And talking about your recruiting class, I happen to have also graduated high school 2013, so uh, shout out to us. Uh, Yeah, that's us. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Way to go. Um, and so you, your year, that recruiting class, it's you, Braden Schnur, Jack Murray, uh, who all decide to go to UNC. And I, I'm just curious, when you're making that decision, was that something you were weighing into the equation of who can I go to school with? Was it I want to go to the oh, best school it was, academically? Uh, no, it was, it was me first. And then I would like to think I did an excellent recruiting job to <laughs> and Jack there as well. Oh, I committed way before they did. Way before they did. And uh, so, no, once I recruited, once I committed, and that's where I really want, I knew for sure where I want to go. I loved everything about North Carolina, the coaches, the guys that were already on the team. Uh, I knew a couple guys that were coming in that next year. I loved absolutely everything about it. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I got to go. You know, I had this, you know, since I committed so early, I had this time. And then it just it literally just went from there. Um, you know, I, I there's I mean I talked to more people than Brayden and Jack about it, obviously. Um, but I know Jack. You know, I knew Jack from when I was like ten years old. He's from Detroit, and uh, I know he wasn't even thinking about North Carolina before. And so trying to get him on board, he was like, it's one of those things that like people in the area are like, damn, Ronnie went to North Carolina, like. We should probably maybe check that out a little bit more. I, I, I mean, that's kind of the reaction that I got um, versus like going to like the dominant powers like a Virginia or a USC or I'm struggling to think of the other ones that were great at the time, like or maybe like a UCLA or uh, Ohio State even. Um, like why, like kind of like why North Carolina? And so when people were asking why North Carolina, it got gave me a great chance to sell them on uh, UNC. And so I mean, I I've we were talking, me and Braden were actually talking uh, not too long ago, and we were talking about the, we, back when I was committed and he was looking at schools, I mean, I think out of a million Facebook messages we sent back and forth. Uh, <laughs> like, you can, the crazy part about Facebook is, you know, it doesn't delete anything. Like, my text, you know, I've gone through a couple phones since then, but Facebook never deletes, unless, unless you make it. And so I was able to go back and see, like, back in 2013, or 2000, yeah, 2013, like 12 or 13, able to see all the messages we sent from each other. And that is wild to look at. Um, just seeing, like, how that evolved from, like, me trying to get him to come and really not knowing him to him being one of, like, him and Jack being probably two of my very best friends in the world uh, still to this day. So uh, it's pretty neat to see. But, yeah, I, I really uh, I really thought of myself during that time as, like, a recruiter as well, not just football and Trip, uh, during the recruiting, like I, I thought, I you know I was traveling in tournaments with people as well. I'm like, how can I make, how can I make the team better uh, and make it a better experience for myself? So. Well, we'll we'll get to this eventually too. Sorry to cut you off, Captain, but I'm sure Coach Wurtzman's gonna love that uh, at IU then with the uh, natural recruiter in you, if you will. Oh yeah, uh, natural. Let me uh, asterisk that with the. Uh, Natural on-campus recruiter as a volunteer coach. No recruiting on-campus. <laughs> <laughs> Making any NCAA rules here. Um, natural on-campus recruiter. So, that, yeah, if anybody would have any questions about Indiana and would like to know more, come to Bloomington, Indiana, and then I will give you the best sales pitch you could possibly ask for. Um, but uh, when I'm on the road, I do have to be very careful. If like, people are juniors and stuff and aren't going to college, uh, that's one of the things. So, yes. Uh, as of now, I am a great on-campus recruiter, and let's emphasize the on-campus part. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want the NCAA coming after me. 
Well, so I think this is fair to say you are on the Cracked Interviews campus, so I think this is a good time to give an answer. Uh, and it's not in terms of a pitch for Indiana as much as a pitch to people going through the college recruiting process. Yeah, you know, what advice would you give to them in terms of how many schools to reach out to, what they should be accomplishing on the junior circuit? You know, what should they be doing to prepare themselves best for college? I think one is I think you should people should start earlier than any of you think. Um, I think it's a great idea to reach out to the coaches and email by maybe like a letter or email like early on early earlier than you think maybe like a sophomore or early junior year. Um, make be proactive about it. Don't make don't make the coaches come to you. Go to the coaches. Um, and I think I started with a list of like oh this is this is good. I started with a list of parents like okay make a list of like. 20, 25 schools. <laughs> so I made a list of 20, I made a list of 20, 25 schools. How many of and them were like 20, party school first, yeah. like outdoor school, all the California schools? Well, yeah, well, guess which, which school was not on that list of 25? <laughs> UNC, obviously. UNC. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, UNC of all things. So I wrote 25 schools and UNC was not That's one of them. hilarious. And, uh, yeah, and honestly, the thing was, for UNC, I wasn't, even look at it. To be, to be very honest, I was I, I grew up much more of a Duke guy, uh, <laughs> and so oh, no. I was a Duke-ish fan. It, not like fan fan, but like a Duke. Oh, fan. dude, like, those Chris Duhon, JJ Redick teams, I loved them. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, it was white people everywhere. Like <laughs> <laughs> My but, guy, Sheldon was, Williams. Oh. <laughs>
there's some letters and emails and stuff coming in. Um, <clears throat> you know, when they came into UNC, and I was like, oh, like this person's like interested. We didn't even know about this before. And then they kind of just go from there versus, you know, you can't expect to get, you know, handwritten letters from every college coach if, you know, kind of no matter where you're ranked. Uh, so you just got to go out there and get it, I think. No, I, I think that's very uh, fair. I think, you know, that's great advice. Definitely go out there. It's always better to put yourself out there. you got to, you know, at least give it a try. And so, you know, as corny as that was, I do want to get into uh, your college career because, as you mentioned, you, you guys accomplished so much during your time at UNC. Uh, we, you know, I, I know you have limited time, so we don't have to get into all of your oh, matches. But in, in terms of, you know, the accomplishments, you know, from the get-go, your team makes the first Elite Eight in program, you know, history since 1992. Um, you're playing two singles. Brayton's playing one. Jack's playing five. You know, I'm pretty sure in that NCAA tournament, you and Jack were all-tournament team at three doubles. Um, you know, just talk about experiencing that early success, how that affected your college tennis experience, and, you know, if anything, made you enjoy the game even more. Oh, yeah. Um, getting to the lead eight was something that I was, I mean, I was even surprised about, uh, for sure. You know, I know we had a good team going in, uh, but yeah, we're so young for the most part. We were really young. Um, and then we, you know, the draw comes out and we're slated to face, if we get past the first two hours, slated to face Georgia at Georgia in round of 16 and talk about intimidating. Um, they, uh, I was, you know, they obviously have a great crowd every time, but then for a NCAA Sweet 16 match that they're hosting, uh, it was wild. Um, that was a crazy experience. Uh, I basically <laughs> myself out there, uh, not going to lie, for the doubles. Uh, I, I held it together pretty well. I know this is pretty funny. Before before the match, our head coach, or Coach Paul, goes up to trip. He's like, okay, like, you know, this is a tough environment. Like, basically, all of us, he's a talking trip as well. Like, trip, okay, this is a tough environment. Like, we got to, like, you know, really encourage the guys. We can't, like, you know, we can't put them down. Like, we get every, everything's positive. Like, talking to us and trip. Like, we got everybody's going to be positive. Everybody's going to be positive. And then we go out there. And I'm playing with Jack at three doubles. And for how much I was at him, I think Jack was like 10 times worse. And I don't know what he was doing out there. <laughs> and we should have beat – I mean, we ended up winning, like, very close. But we should have wrecked this team. And I forget what it was. But I, Jack wasn't, like, covering anything. Like, he was really like a statue there. <laughs> and I'm looking. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And it's like, we're down maybe 2-1 a break. You know, this is back when it was to 8. So we had time. And Coach Paul is on our court. And Tripp comes running down from, like, all the way from in the court one, comes running down to our court, <laughs> comes up. Coach Paul is, like, about to start talking to us. And Tripp comes running up, comes around the court, and it just starts laying in the jack, like screaming, like very loud, F, like multiple F-bombs, just like going nuts on him, like what the F are you doing, like, like you can't stand there doing nothing, like what the f***, like what are you doing, and he rips him, and Coach Paul's standing there, like he tried to stop it at first, and then he's just sitting there with his like hands over his eyes, like oh my god, and uh, <laughs> but if that doesn't tell you anything about Tripp, uh, I don't know, he can, he can really get into like literally, I mean, I kid you not, I mean, 10 minutes before, Chris Paul is literally telling Tripp, like, all right, we got we to gotta be chill, we got to be positive. <laughs> Within oh, 10 minutes of the match, sorry, Tripp has just gone, ab- lost his absolute mind on Jack. And, uh, well, we, it ended up working, we, we ended up winning. But, yeah, going back to the success, like, it was, 
it was pretty great. You know, we you know beat Georgia and we lost to Oklahoma, who ended up losing in the final. Um, you know, doing that kind of like you kind of whet your appetite, like you want more, like you want more, like that was great, uh, and everything. And then we came back. I like, pretty much had I think same team, similar team. The next year, made the Elite Eight again. Uh, we had a great four-three win over Illinois in the Sweet Sixteen. Had lost TC in the quarter. Should like very honestly should have won that. Uh, we had put match points, won the doubles, and plenty of chances elsewhere. Uh, and then so like kind of after that, we we're like, man, like yeah, it's been nice making the Elite, but like we really want to be like you know top five, you know top top tier team in the country. And uh, you know that next year the junior year was probably the best year in, you know in program history up until the NCAA tournament you know we won indoors uh which was probably my favorite tennis moment uh to this day well I think that, uh, that's a that's a perfect transition because again you talk about it and I, a credit to you and Jack won that match 8-7 over Brousseau and Wood um in that yeah, round oh, of like, 16 which we should have like in my in my head like how it was going if we started off fine which we should have won like 8-2 <laughs> I love it. And then, you know, you also get a singles win in that match, taking on, I think, a senior, Nathan Pasha, 6-3. and three. Yep. So, you know, that's as good of a start as you can dream of. But so, you you know, you have all of that success your freshman year, and you talk about, you know, being thirsty for more. And I'm just curious because it's not often, you know, we get a sneak peek behind what it takes at an elite program like UNC, like it became. You know, what does your training regimen look like balancing – you know, the rigorous academics of being at UNC as well as having those aspirations of wanting to compete for national titles. Right. You know, um, we were fortunate enough to have, you know, great coaches and, you know, throughout my time, great leadership. Uh, but that, that kind of set the standard of, you know, most of us, I mean, for me personally, I was Monday through Friday, I was in, uh, I was in for a morning session whether I just worked it around my classes, um, you know, like usually, you know, not too long, like 40 minutes in the morning, um, and then have classes, and we'd have practice at 2.30 in the afternoon, and we go from like 2.30 to 4.30, 2.30 to 5, and then usually there's weights or condition afterwards every day. Um, so yeah, it was busy, um, but for me, I played a lot growing up, and it wasn't, so it wasn't too, too big of a deal, um, but our coaches were really great about giving us all the individual time in the morning. Uh, that we wanted, you know, they were there, you know, busting their busting their balls from uh, like eight to you know noon or one, and then back again from two thirty to two thirty to probably five. Uh, so you know, it was a very what we did at UNC. It was very professional. Uh, that's 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 a good word for it. They really, uh, you know, tried to get us to. They harped on us the details. Um, like the small details and stuff like that, like being a professional. They want everybody to come in there, whether they actually end up being it or not. They want it to act, us to basically act like professionals. And, you know, they try to, you know, it's up to the older guys who have been through it before to help set the standards for that. Uh, and I think we did a really good job of that. You know, everybody knew that what was acceptable and what was not. You know, like you're expected to come in at minimum uh, two or three times a week for morning hits, as well as obviously always be there for you know, afternoon hits and uh, conditioning and whatnot. Uh, and then you just to see, like, it was amazing. Like, somebody like, you know, we spoke of him earlier, Jack Murray, to see his development from freshman year to senior year. In freshman year, he was he was losing losing stuff, not prepared for, like, and then not prepared for match. He wouldn't have, like, shoes and, like, he wouldn't have, you know, he wouldn't. 
<laughs> racket, like in to get strung, and he wouldn't have his grips ready, and then he'd always be flailing last second, and then it literally took, especially Trip and like our coaches, like harped on it from every second. Like, and Jack was, you know, he'd even be the first in that he was a complete mess. Really well, and 
you know, I had talks with, you know, Triple Summer, uh, especially. It was one of those things that, you know, there's time and place. You gotta, you gotta tell people how it is. You can't just be the nice guy all the time, and you can't, uh, you, they can't be looking for you to be, you know, hold their hand uh, throughout. Last year, I kind of got, which was, I think, amazing for me in my, you know, personal development was, I got to, you know, I got to be both the good and bad uh, cop, but then figure out a way about it to where at the end of the day, you know, the person understands and respects you and it's not like they don't feel any animosity towards you. Uh, but it was, it was tough. It was tough for sure. You know, it, it ended up being where my, I mean, my leadership is, you know, get the people where they need to be. Like, get, you know, there's a standard and there's a the standard. If they don't, you got to call them out on it. And sometimes it takes like a hard calling out and like it's it's tough, but then you could get on them and then you have the respect to, you know, later on in the day, send a message like, hey man, like you want to go get dinner or like, hey man, you want to grab breakfast one day. And then when you have go breakfast, you, you know, you sit down and talk to them, explain why, and then kind of patch things over from there. Um, and so that's kind of what I learned. I felt like that was, I was really successful. I was able, I think we were really able to get a lot of different guys with, you know, different mindsets and all of that kind of pretty much on the, all on the same page, uh, especially when it mattered most uh, towards the end of the year. I think that was what was most important. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my, you know, <clears throat> my years there being captain was uh, a huge learning experience. That, no, I really suffered show of like being a, uh, just nice, I guess, all the time. Well, it, um, <clears throat> sorry, it sounded like you exploded. It, it, something boom, boom came into the phone. I don't know. It could be on Dalton's end, but that was, that's what I was, I just, I missed it. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> it. I was concerned it's about your health there. Me. I, I mean, it, I have, uh, my phone situation right now is a complete train wreck. So, <laughs> well, you know, lead by, you clearly not, <laughs> I was going to make a shitty lead by example joke, but I'm just going to let it slide. Um, so getting back <laughs> yeah, though. No, 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 I'm going to definitely don't, don't listen to my example of find, uh, find a carrier that can work. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's a great slogan. That's probably the title of the podcast. That's, that's a pretty tall task though. Yeah, that's a pretty tall task. Yeah, but so, you know, getting back to your junior year, you talk about that ITA indoor title, you know, first time your team makes the semifinals, and then, you know, you knock out Ohio State, knock out UCLA, and then you end up playing and ending Virginia's ACC winning streak at Virginia had to be, you know, an extra cherry on top of what was already incredible with the national title. In that run, you beat Chris Diaz, you beat... uh, uh, Gage Brimer, you beat Ty Kwiatkowski, 7-6 in the third in that final. Um, you know, you're named MVP. What was that run like? Take us through that just entire week-long experience. Well, I'll, I'll give it, you know, a little bit before then. Um, so after, throw it back to October, first weekend in October, I come back from All-Americans, I make the quarterfinals. My one day, my day off, I am walking outside of campus, um, going back from a dorm to like the middle of campus and I am on my phone not paying attention and I basically slip not slip but step off like a large ledge uh, and end, end up breaking my leg like breaking my fibula Jesus and so out the rest out the rest of the fall so in, in that fall or like in that you know my leg is still broken but I still have this wrist problem and, and 
Yeah, breaking a leg doesn't heal your wrist. You know the thing where you, like, if you hurt one side of your body, the other doesn't hurt anymore? That is a lie. <laughs> uh, my, wrist, my wrist was still hurting. Uh, so I went over Christmas break, leg still broken. I'm not really playing. Uh, I'm graduating back in. I find out I have to have a wrist surgery to fix my problem. And so I have a broken leg. I have a stuck wrist. And... Like, they talk about a low moment, like, in late December. Um, so I decided to push off the surgery for after, until after my junior year for this. Rehab my leg. Start, honestly, like, probably start back a little too early. Really am a bad, bad tennis player. Um, this is, like, during the kickoff weekend and the first few weeks of our season. And then I was like, this is the worst. Like, well, I'm going to go to indoors, you know, three matches, minimum three days, play number two. I'm like, <laughs> and I, it was, I, that, that there was an unbelievable, especially from Chip, unbelievable coaching job of all time. He <laughs> tricked me, literally tricked me into thinking that I was an unbelievable tennis player at the time, when all, literally all evidence pointed to the contrary. Uh, and I was losing, and like before I'm losing, I'm losing in, in a bad way, and he's like, you know, you're right there, like you're right there, you're right there. And whether I actually was, or what, I don't play for us, but whatever he was, he, like, right before indoors, he said it enough, and I thought, and I actually started to believe it. And, I, yeah, I won an unbelievable singles run, four for four, culminating that sun season third victory in the final. And there, it just took off. And, like, you know, each time, Chip was telling me, like, I told you, man, like, I told you. Like, I won my first <laughs> like, man, I told you, you're great. And I'm like, that guy was okay. And, you know, like, man, he's like, man, you're doing a straight set. Like, what an unbelievable job. Like, I beat Chris Diaz in straight sets. Like, man, like, you're going. And, you know, I beat Gage pretty badly in the semis. And he's like, you are so, like, and then getting ready for He's like, man, you're going to win 100%. Like, I have no doubt in my mind. Like, you're going to win. And he's like, look how far you've come. Like, you have to have, like, I, if I were you, I have the most confidence in the world right now. And, you know, I really tapped into that. I mean, I surfed. I lost the first set. Didn't get down on myself. Like, tie in the third set, surf for the match twice. Didn't get down on myself. And uh, I went to surf 6 5 in the breaker against Ty to close the match out. And the first thing Tripp said to me the entire match, he hadn't been on my court at all. He like leaned over and said, Man, just do what you've been doing this whole weekend. Literally, I went in. We're serving like biggest biggest point of my life, <laughs> and went out there and I like, went pretty big serve and then, like I was like man I got so much confidence like I mean I had a kind of short ball and I'm like man do I hit it and go back and go for it like I'm like no nah, you, you like you got this and it was all because of trip I'm like man you got this and I hit it and came in unfortunately time missed the, the pass and uh, but yeah that was talk about the most unbelievable like from where I was. And then, like, two weeks later, like, a week or two later, like, winning interviews of indoors, we won indoors. Like, my, like, whole life took a different perspective at that point because coming off, like, a broken leg and knowing I needed a wrist surgery, like, that's pretty, pretty low, pretty low moment. I went from, like, a pretty deep canyon, pretty high mountain there uh, in not too long of time. And so, yeah, it, it, it took a lot. So, like, you know, obviously from the outside experience of winning indoors and all that, winning AP was awesome, and it was a really cool moment. But to see how far I've come and 
to know like the place like physically and mentally that I was in like over Christmas break to like get to there was it, it was greater than I you know it's impossible to put into words like how amazing it felt. I mean, I is can... it is it safe to say is it safe to say that and this this isn't a hot take by any means and I'm sure Gruskin's about to rip me but um, <laughs> is it safe to say that in tennis especially as an individual sport and it's you know you got the team atmosphere in college but the the psyche the mental standpoint being relentlessly positive and confident in your abilities I mean is that more of a factor than even the physical component oh. You are, uh, I, I immediately, like, I can attest this even more since I've been out here playing. It's, you know, everybody's, like, people are ungodly. There's some ungodly talk of people are, like, you know, 600 or 500 or, you know, up up all the way to the top. It's all confidence. And it's all, even when you lose, like, two or three or four or five, like, or just, like, like believing that you can like this every single time like this next week or this next match is going to be your match and it is so hard especially coming from juniors where I, I did not lose a lot to college where you play a couple matches a week like you can go stretch long stretch of time without losing a match your confidence is great like you're you're good on campus or like you something like that like everybody knows you are to out here and you're like man nobody cares like Nobody's watching, like, and I am getting my feet, like, I went a month, like, you know, you could go a month, you could go a month without winning a match, and it's like, you play four matches, yeah. you lose all four, and, like, it's like telling yourself, like, every single time, like, this next week's going to be my week, this next week's going to be my week, that mindset, that's why I think, I feel like I'm here that have the potential to be top 200, top 100, and they lose, like, they go on, like, a losing streak, or they lose, like, pretty consistently for like six to eight months and I'm like, screw this. I'm done. Um, and it's kind of just about sticking it out because if you believe that you have the skills, if you know you have the skills and the talent and the ability, that like it's going to come as long as you stay positive. Because like water finds its level, but it can't find its level if you stop short or quit early. Uh, so yeah, that's, no, you're, that's not a hot take at all. Like anybody that I don't have to tell you, it's like, tennis is all confidence. Well, I, like 95% uh, I, I completely agree, and I, I do want to talk about that, you know, national title, uh, or run to the national title match, but before that, you're, you're talking about, you know, how sporadic the game can be. You look at last week as a lucky loser, you make your first challenger mm-hmm. quarterfinal, and I'm just, you know, what goes through your mind, you know, when, when something like that happens versus, you know, the rest of the year where you can get into a main draw and still lose first round, and then, you know, again, you have a circumstance like this. Right. I mean, it's, it's that is like a definition of tennis. Like, <laughs> you know, you get, like, crazy, crazy, you get, you know, I lose last round, disappointed, mad, like, angry. I literally went out, like, I was like, I get, I got to practice. Like, I was so mad. I'm like, somebody's like, you want to, like, you're going to say no, but you want to go practice. I'm like, yes. Like, let's go out there. I was so mad. Out there hitting, find out when I'm hitting, I got the lucky loser. Like, wow, I didn't even realize that was much of a possibility. And so, like, obviously, the issue is the thing was, like, he's right. And then I played really well for the first two matches. Uh, you know, unfortunately, for the guy I played in the second round, I was up a break 5-4, and he had to retire. Um, you know, another, like, semi-fortunate situation. Um, like, yeah, I know they challenged a core before, and did I expect it to be 
off of a lucky loser and a guy retiring halfway through the second round match? Like, absolutely not. But, like, you have to, like, take that as it comes. And somebody's like, oh, my God, like, that's super fortunate, super lucky. And to which I would say, like, I mean, my six months of this year, very honestly, like, haven't been great at all. And the, and it was a lot, and I thought I had been on, like, I've gotten some rotten luck for six months. I'm like, very honestly, like, I don't think if we're talking about, like, luck equaling out, I'm not even, like, halfway there yet. Like, I don't even feel halfway, like, justified, like, towards, like, my luck being even for this year yet. Like, I get a lucky loser and a withdrawal, and, like, I still don't even feel close to it. But, like, <laughs> so that's, that's tennis. Like, eventually stuff, like, evens out. Um, you know, some people can just look at that with a microscope and be like, wow, it's really lucky. Like, Ronnie got you. Ronnie should go lucky. Like, no. Like, my, I've had 10 other situations I can tell you about this so far earlier this year where I feel like I've been on the wrong end of, end of a 50-50 situation. And so, like, it eventually comes your way and you just got to stick around, stick around. And, you know, you know, I, that's how I wanted to play immediately right after. Like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good. Like, my game is feeling good. Like, let's keep playing in Owensville. Like, yeah. I don't want, I don't want to stop. No, I, I can totally understand that. And so, you know, uh, just getting back to that national title run because, you know, we, we can talk about your pro career, but we, we can't finish talking about your college career without mentioning you guys make the first NCAA final in program history. You knock out Wake Forest. Uh, uh, in the semifinals, you guys knock out Georgia at Georgia, if I remember correctly. Yep, full three. Yeah. And, and then... And then, of course, you guys run into Virginia. But just for that senior season, you know, you had the the privilege of having Braden on your team. And it's not to say you couldn't have handled the level at one singles, but it must have been nice getting to play two singles, not have to face, you know, the top guy week in, week out. But then, you know, there's a shift at, and then your senior year, you replace that burden of now you're the one singles guy and, you know, Will's the superstar at two, just cleaning up everything. And so, you know, there's pressure on you to be that top guy. Just what was that experience like and just... How what you know? How did all that pressure you know? How relieved must yeah. you have felt when you reached that NCAA final? Well, first of all, a uh, little less pressure when, in my when in my opinion, the best player in the country is playing number two on your team. A um, little less pressure there. Uh, <laughs> to say, well, I didn't want to little, accuse you of stacking. You know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to hold it against Coach Paul. No, no, no. no. You don't have to. You don't tell me. I think Will was the best player in the country last year, and I think he was pretty close to maybe minus Petros this year. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, like, you don't have to, like, you, you definitely not bullshitting me when you're saying, like, oh, my God, Will. Like, yeah, Will is unbelievable. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't, wasn't any secret. Like, Will is unbelievable. And I think if it wasn't for that, I think you mean Will is a freshman, people would be like, oh, man, like, they're stacking. Um, so, like, <laughs> I have, like, that doesn't hurt my feelings at all. Um, I would say for 95% of the year, yeah, I did a pretty good job of, of handling it, being like the senior playing number one and stuff like that. Um, but I really get a lot of credit. A lot of credit has to go well on that. Like, I would say, yeah, like normally all the attention goes to the senior that's playing number one, but the freshman that's playing number two and never loses, like that is a great story. And that was more of the narrative, I think. And that took a lot of pressure off me. And, uh, and you know, I think you can see it a little bit with, Will had an unbelievable year this year, but I think he even thought expected maybe a little bit more from himself. And coming in as that guy at number one after having an unbelievable time at number two, like that's very relatable for me. 
Um, and I think that you know, playing one is it's, it's a real thing. Um, and what I expect, you know, will if and when he comes back, like I'm taking an unbelievable year next year. Like unbelievable. I think he, I mean, he, he's the most talented guy in the world, and I think he's going to learn from last year and even even be better. So I think but like next next year is like college chance that's not watch for like will like Jesus he's gonna be ready to go on a tear. Um but the pressure of playing one um after playing behind somebody at number two, it's definitely real. Yeah, um, and, and, and I'm just sure. I'm just curious because you know making that transition to the pro tour, you talk about having that pressure every week. You know how well prepared from your four years in college did you feel to make that jump to the pro tour? Obviously, you have your business, uh, degree in business administration as well to fall back on. But just from a tennis aspect, you know how did you feel? Yeah, oh, very good. Like you know, they preach professionalism, and that's you know that's what I wanted to be. Uh, coaching Paul and Chip was everything was professional, professional, professional. And I have Braden there whose whole life was, you know, whose whole parents career has been devoted to making it, like making it in the pros and learning from him my two years of how things. And then my senior year, having Braden playing and talking to him like almost on a daily basis, like, I learned so much. He's like, man, here's the thing. Like, teaching and stuff, it's like playing five straight number ones. Like, imagine yourself playing number one and playing five five number ones in back, 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 back days, or whatever that is. And he's like, that's when it's the future. That's when the future is playing five number ones in a row. And then obviously the level goes up from there. So, like, I kind of knew what I was getting into. And you're like, oh, five ones in a row, like, yeah, you can go up. Like, it's tough. Like, it's very tough. Um, and, like, playing number one in college, like, going on a five-match one streak is, is very difficult. And... When I got out of here, I could, I'm like, oh, man, like, five matches in a row, like, you know, it's only 32 draw, like, oh, I can do this. And it's only happened to me once, you know, like, winning a tournament that, uh, winning, winning a future. Um, so, but, you know, in general, in every way, I felt prepared. Like, North Carolina got me prepared uh, for tennis and, like, for, you know, for, you know, like, social and, you know, school and everything. So I was super prepared. And having someone like Braden who's out there doing what I wanted to do, and giving me constant like feedback and telling me what to look out for, uh, I think it's great. And uh, you know, I felt completely prepared. But anyway, yeah, Ronnie, I was I was gonna tell you, uh, we have a lot more questions in the queue. In all reality, we wanted to get to the uh, your pro career, everything you've done this past year, uh, and then also eventually the you know the IU gig and what you're thinking yeah. for the next season and everything else. So we'll probably have to have you back on. If you don't mind, hey, but trust me. When I am in a uh, not middle of nowhere, I will be on for as long as you want. Yeah, next time you're back in Bloomington, we'll just have to like bring the podcast equipment down and just have well, a... Perfect. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree, but then so... My house is open. Yeah, I love to hear it. Well, then in terms of, you know, talking about your pro career, uh, just... You know, again, you talked about at the beginning of the podcast, you wouldn't stay on tour if your game's not where you want it to be, if the results aren't there. So I'm just curious, what are you, what results are you looking for from yourself in the next six months, a year, to, you know, validate your time on tour? That's an unbelievable question, and uh, one that my parents ask me pretty much all the time. Oh, actually, uh, Mrs. Schneider said, make sure you talk to Ronnie about his pro career. Yeah, okay, well, there you go. I'm... I'm <laughs> Incredibly not surprised. Um, 
But it, it, it would take uh, – I think I need to be consistently playing, you know, close to Challenger uh, uh, main draws. Uh, there's new rules coming up in sorry, 2019. I'm sure you guys have looked into it and, you know, uh, know a bit about it. But uh, basically background is – it's really two-second background is that they're, they're trying to make sure that people are playing up. They're trying to increase the professionalism of tennis. Professionalism in giant quotes. I don't know how. <laughs> um, but anyways, I, we we can all have our opinions on that one. Uh, but anyways, with it, there's, you know, I really would like to be playing challengers. There's gonna be a 48 draw of challengers. Uh, there's a couple different ways to get in. And basically, the the bottom line for this next you know few months is like the new system isn't gonna like no system rewards losing. So I just I need to win. And if I win matches and win a good bit of matches, and I feel like my, my game is in a good place, then I'll keep going. I'll go from there. Um, but I'll re- I'm really going to reevaluate December and see how things uh, things are going at the end of the year. Um, I'll be realistic with myself. Uh, if I have another last few months how I had my first six months, then really, honestly, like I, I won't be playing. Uh, this, I won't be playing this time next year. Um, but, you know, I feel like the last couple weeks, my game has really taken a step forward. Uh, I play very well in Lexington, even though not a lot of times you can say you've lost twice in a week and you really feel like you played well. And <laughs> um, but I really did. And uh, um, I feel good about where my game is right now. Um, I'll keep playing and keep chugging along. And uh, I'm going to go as hard as I possibly can with it until the end of the year. And then I'll be very honest with myself and evaluate. Um, because yeah, there definitely is an opportunity cost. I feel like in my, uh, you know, life and like you know financially as well. Like there's an opportunity cost to what I'm doing, and I don't want to be wasting anybody's time and money. And uh, so, yeah, I'll be realistic about it. And then uh, you know, I'm, I'm in, if tennis ended at this point, I'd have no regrets, no nothing wrong. Um, I'd have nothing to feel like I really left unaccomplished. Um, but it, I think it's all bonus for me from this point. Um, but so I, I feel like whenever I do decide to leave, hopefully, hopefully it's not for many, many years. I really, I really want to keep playing. Um, but no matter what, I will, you know, I'll leave with my head held high. If I, if I wanted to quit tomorrow, so be it. Um, I will have, you know, no regrets. Like I said, I'll leave with my head held high and, uh, move on to the next chapter or whatever that, that, that may be. But until that time comes and I, hopefully it doesn't come soon, um, be working myself. Well, then we talked about it earlier as well. You you take a job as an assistant at Indiana. You also again have that business administration degree from UNC to fall back on. You know, was the taking of the job at Indiana your way of preparing yourself to maybe get into the college tennis coaching world, or is it you know I want to do something outside of tennis after? So it could be both. Like taking this, I'm able to transition in a couple different ways um, for sure. Um, but it's one of Things I've found with guys that have been out here for, you know, six months, a year, like a year or more, you know, and I would be at like, I'm at, I'm at over a year right now, um, playing pro after college is that when they stop and then have go straight to like a, a desk job per se or like a nine to five, they realize it's really a struggle. And they, I've having talked to people, they said they really wish there was a way to better transition out. And for me, uh, I'm committed to doing this with Indiana through May. And I hope I can even, you know, potentially go longer, see how everything goes. Uh, I would never rule that out. 
Um, but if I do decide to stop in December, it's a great way for me. Like, I love Indiana. I was born there. I lived there. My born and lived there my whole life. It's a great way for me to transition out um, so I can start working on other job opportun- like opportunities elsewhere. Like, most likely maybe not within tennis. I don't want to rule anything out, but uh, I would really like to use my finance degree from UNC uh, in one way or the other, uh, at least at first. And uh, so this, you know, this coaching at IU is, you know, it, it's really great for me because I love Indiana, would love to get back. I think the team has great potential, and the coaches, Mike and Jeremy, are awesome. Uh, and also as a way for maybe uh, whenever I do want to transition, like do I stop playing, like a way to transition out. Uh, and the bonus is there's, you know, the co- Mike and Jeremy are so great, is that I really would like to keep playing, and if I am still playing, uh, they fully support me 100%, uh, and then I'll try to I mean, I'll plan my schedule around making some weekends of matches and stuff like that, making the important 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 events, um, and so like you know try to still try to help however I can because they've been so nice in Indiana. Even though I did not go to Indiana, they have the university in the city has given me so much, and like this is a way that I think I can maybe help give back in one way. Well, as part of that transitional phase, you know, and we all know the uh, relentlessly uh, confident, positive, and uh, just the work ethic of, you know, the Ronnie Schneider, if you will. So we know you're going to be playing for for many years to come. Uh, But, you know, if not for that transitional phase, you're always welcome to uh, (laughs) hop on the the podcast here at Cracked Rackets Ooh. and maybe potentially co-host down the road, man. You've been crushing There we that. go. See, that sounds... Holy... <laughs> I love that. I might... I mean, I might stop tomorrow. That's... Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always I wanted... Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime at all for anything. This will be the worst self-service I have. Normally, it's very good. AT&T in the United States is normally a gym. Uh, but... Anytime I could be on or do anything or anything at all, I love what y'all are doing, and uh, I would love to, uh, yeah, especially once I my career is over, I'd love to hop on and join in a few episodes for sure. Well, we would love to have you, and I, I've been telling Dalton for weeks, we've been waiting to make the pivot to Andrew Luck talk as opposed to tennis because, you know, <laughs> he's a formative player of our generation, so I, I'm ready. You know, that can be, you know, Luck Wednesdays with Ronnie Schneider. There we go. Hey, we can do it. Yeah. I'm, down. I'm all in. Here we go. I'm all for it. I got, I got ideas. Oh. <laughs> I got I got thoughts and ideas. I mean, my, my real go-to is when it's basketball season, we can talk Oladipo, Miles, Turner, pick and rolls, uh, I mean, forever. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. If we could transition this into, like, you know, like an NBA, I mean, we could, we could, hey, this, this podcast could shoot up the charts if we got <laughs> Hey, look at this idea, man. I love that. Let's do it. <laughs> uh more, yeah, more to come. We definitely need to make this happen next time. But, Druskin, you want to lead the charge on our last segment here, which is a fan favorite, uh, the rapid-fire segment. Uh, we'll give you ten questions. Uh, you'll provide one-word answers. And yeah. uh, I'm sure you've, you've heard this by now, but we'll, uh, we'll get this started if you're ready to run. All right, let's, let's go. I am uh, I'm mentally preparing myself here. I'm, I'm thinking of some good words. <laughs> okay, well, one-ish, <laughs> one-ish words. But so I guess you can use two here. Sweeter moment. 
making or winning that ITA indoor title or making that NCAA final? Oh, I'll use. Oh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well then, what's 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 the go-to Ronnie Snyder warm-up song pre-match? Mm, inspired by the Philadelphia Eagles this past year, beating my all of my most hated team in all of sports, the uh, <laughs> New England Patriots, the Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're one of those I'm not over Deflate Gate type of guys. Um, I'm an Indianapolis Colts diehard until I die. And, oh, yeah. Uh, represent. Yeah, I never represent. represent. You have to hit pitch. Uh, I, I, I love it. Well, then, we'll stay UNC-themed for my uh, follow-up questions, but over your four years there, best teammate to go out with? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Braden. 100%. <laughs> There's a reason why he lost. 20, he had to lose. He, there's a reason he lost 25 pounds after he left school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best best ping pong player while you're in the UNC. Uh, Brett Clark. Oh, best to get dinner with. Best to get dinner with. Um, is that what you said? Sorry, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. Best to get dinner with. Best to get dinner with. Uh, Trip Phillips, coach. Our coach. Wow. For sure. Is it because he? Is it because he legally foots the bill? That's a really good one. Um, all right, favorite city. Sorry, one more time. F- favorite city. Favorite city, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Oh. And and, and uh, I will put Boomstead in the end there. Not that, not for any reason. I, it's not because I am like a coach obligated to it. You know, <laughs> but, of course, um, so, some good times there. It's a, it's a tie between Chapel Hill and Bloomington. The two. <laughs> So two more before we go. In the spirit of our name, last time Ronnie Schneider cracked a racket. Like, I, and plus UNC rackets, like, I have rackets to blow. 
<laughs> Wait, isn't it money to blow? Is that the correct one? <laughs> so it's rapid. Well, I'm switching it to rapid. We found the title of the pod, Guskin. <laughs> rapid to blow. In um, Braden, same way. And so angry, I, I broke, I've broken a couple. But the main thing is that Braden, the anger, he still has a tough time. But anger, uncontrollable. Like, he's breaking a lot. And so he was mainly him. We're still, the thing is, we're only a couple weeks in January, and coaches and everybody are fucking used to him. And, but he's getting so angry. And it's like, it's a delicate situation. Like, this guy's going to play one. Like, he's the man. Like, how much is it on? And so eventually, coach, we're all playing, we're playing doubles practices on our indoor courts, um, all three of our indoor Things get bad, and Coach Paul's like, okay, everybody in, everybody in. Everybody runs in, runs in, runs in. He goes, guys, the ain't this level, uh, the anger and the negative emotion is out of control from all of us. Anyway, but it's not everybody. It's, it's, it's just great. <laughs> and uh, he, he's like, next person to do anything negative, we're all running. Like, everybody's running. We're stopping practice. We're going to run the rest of our practice. And we're like, oh, like, okay, like, let's get it together. Brayden, we go back out. We all go back out. Brayden is serving. Double serve. Goes, miss first serve. Okay. Double faults. First point after Coach Paul says this. He double faults. Takes his racket. Snaps it over his leg. Just complete. I've never seen it done before. Complete. Takes the end of it and snaps it right over his leg. And <laughs> it's just spinning. Like, what the heck? And then all of a sudden, Coach Paul is dying laughing. <laughs> dying laughing. I mean, and then we're all, like, crying, laughing, because, like, you couldn't, like, you, you could get mad. Like, you can't even get mad. Yeah. Because literally, 10, I mean, 20 seconds earlier, Coach Paul yelling at us for no negative motion. <laughs> and then, first point, they cracked a racket over his knee. And we all did, like, one sprint and went back, and we, like, had a great practice that day, because we're all, like, laughing. But Braden was so angry at the time. And he just couldn't, he, he like, he literally saw stars and then broke the racket. So that's going to be, that's going to be my one. That is honestly, I think, the last time I've been around a craft racket, like, between, like, me or my teammates, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> we would kill for footage of that whole scenario that you just oh, broke I would, down. I would, <laughs> I the time. It would be the funniest thing of all time. Oh. I mean, it is still a story, a great story to this day, because it was one of the more funny moments I've ever had. Yeah, that's movie-esque right there. But I'll, I'll wrap up with the final question of the evening, which I'm sure you've heard this before. But um, your favorite thing about a fresh can of tennis balls is? Uh, it's I mean, isn't it like everybody's just smell? Like, I feel like you can get high off that smell. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like, it feel like, feel like something you should, like, oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> we've, we've probably done, like, 40, 50 interviews at this point, and like 99% of people say. So yeah. I will, like, I'll give that's a typical answer. Like, to be honest, like, I, mean, I feel like you have to say, like, I feel, I feel you have to say the best thing. The best thing about giving me a new can of balls is that I'll stop about the old balls. <laughs> I, am, I am the world's biggest, I'm a big ball snob. And I would get mad at, like, North Carolina everywhere anytime, like, the balls weren't, like, new. I'm like, where's the UPS truck like delivering our new uh, new thing of balls? <laughs> but that's the best. That would be uh, that's the best thing about the new can of balls for me is that I can stop thinking in my head about old balls. 
Oh, love it, love it. Ronnie, thank you so much for coming on, man. It was a pleasure and a half, to be honest. Well, I'm uh, glad to find a work out between all the phone delays and everything. Uh, thanks for having me, and I'm I'm love to come on anytime. You guys are doing a great job. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. What, just honestly, hit me up next time you're in Bloomington or if you're in the Indy area, and you can hop on over to the uh, makeshift podcast studio, if you will, and uh, uh, take it easy. Okay. And best of luck going forward. We'll yeah, talk soon. Thanks again, Ronnie. Yeah, no worries. Have a good one.